0: So here now, a reading from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. I invite you to follow along on the worship screens or to follow along in your own Bible. For those of you that are watching from home, it will be projected on the screen. And I'm going to be using the Common English Bible, which is a relatively new translation that I think really um, kind of brings this passage alive. Hear the word of the Lord. Christ has set us free for freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again. Now jumping to verse 13. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite bite, and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. I say be guided by the Spirit, And you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the spirit. And the spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other. So you should not do whatever you want to do. But if you are being led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, casting spells, hating, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, Conflict, selfishness, and group rivalry. Jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. I warn you as I have already warned you that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, as Americans, we love to celebrate Independence Day. Thomas Jefferson's idea that each person has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is something that we still hold dear Despite the imperfections of our political system, we still enjoy tremendous freedoms. Amen? Including economic, political, religious, and personal freedom. As we reflect on and celebrate all of this, it is helpful to ask a basic question. What exactly do we mean by freedom? Many people think that freedom is being able to do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. Right? But the ability to act without any constraint on our personal choices is not the best definition of freedom. Remember that the same philosophers and statesmen who boldly announced our country's declaration of independence we were also the ones who worked long and hard to draft our Constitution, a document which limits and guides our personal freedom in service of larger goals and responsibilities. And we see something similar in the Christian tradition, which does not define freedom in terms of unrestrained license, but as freedom from the death-dealing ways of sin, and freedom to choose what is good, what is right, and what is life-affirming. Our Scripture reading reminds us that when we act as if freedom were all about unconstrained personal license, it leads to more slavery. Are you awake, church? This is a really important point when we view freedom as the ability to do whatever we want to do as long as we don't hurt anybody else it doesn't multiply and deepen our freedom it actually causes us to forfeit our freedom and creates various kinds of slavery saint augustine one of the most influential theologians in christian history helps us to understand that evil is always a corruption of the good in other words evil does not exist on its own. For example, all human beings, according to the Bible, are created in the image of God and as such are good. It is only when we turn away from God and selfishness that we are corrupted by sin and evil. And this is illustrated by the story of Adam and Eve in the Bible and the Christian doctrine of the fall. Even the devil, according to Christian tradition, started out as an archangel and, like human beings, fell from grace, turning away from God. And if we're honest, I think that we could say this rings true to our own experience, especially when we think about the different kinds of behaviors that are often associated with sin. They are, in some sense, always a corruption of something good. So just take, for example, a few sinful behaviors mentioned in our Scripture reading this morning. God gives us the good gifts of love and sexuality. But when these are corrupted by sin and acted upon with unrestrained personal freedom, they are converted into sexual immorality, which can itself become enslaving. And if you don't agree with me, just talk to someone who is in recovery for various kinds of sex addiction. God places us in us a desire to know and worship Him and gives us the freedom to do so. But when this is corrupted by sin and acted on with unrestrained personal freedom, it leads to idolatry. And idolatry, according to the Bible, always leads to slavery. God gives us the good gifts of reason and communication, including the freedom to discuss things with each other, but corrupted by sin and acted on with unrestrained personal freedom. These gifts lead to various forms of conflict, which can keep us stuck in drama, bickering, and division. Looking at these kinds of examples helps us to get a glimpse of the cunning baffling and powerful dynamics of sin which presents itself as good and promises freedom and fulfillment, but actually we find out that it is bad and leads to slavery and misery. And oftentimes when we realize this, it's too late. We've already been carried off into bondage. So God gives us something good but we freely use it for selfish purposes, and then before we know it, it is using us. We are not controlling it, it is controlling us. And we don't have to look far to see examples around us today. Many of us have one friend who never really grew up, and their theme song is Fight for Your Right to Party by the Beastie Boys. Does anybody know anybody like that? There's some people who are still my age, which I won't tell you how old I am, but I ain't young anymore, who are still in this mentality. And no one is going to infringe upon their right to party, which usually means the freedom to drink as much as they want and to stay out late and to carouse. (laughs) Then one day, they wake up, they realize the destruction, they try to stop, and they can't. They are addicted. And the only way that they can recover their freedom is to get help and surrender their right to party. Others may think they are free to make money and spend money any way that they want, only to wake up one day to discover that they are enslaved to a mountain of debt and they are not truly free. But friends, this is not how God intends things to be. God doesn't give us freedom so that we can do whatever we want and become more enslaved to things that take us farther and farther away from Him. And if we are going to escape the dangers of this way of thinking, then we need to remember at least two really important things from the Bible. Number one, every single one of us gets entangled in sin. And I'm not talking, you know, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's true. But I think it's worse than that. I think that it's, it's more than just everybody sinning one time and having something that they need God to forgive them for. All of us get trapped in the dynamics of sin, evil, and death. And we get entangled. We become enslaved in various ways. And unless God intervenes to set us free, it is impossible for us to choose not to sin. I just want you to let that sink in because that's a pretty bold statement. Until God intervenes, we are not free to make the choice to not sin. (laughs) And again, this is really, really hard for us to admit because we want to think that we're in control of our lives. And just admitting this, admitting that we're all enslaved to sin, requires help from God. Apart from the light of God's grace, we are deluded into thinking that we are free to choose either good or bad. So that sometimes we choose the good and sometimes we choose the bad. But according to the Bible, before God sets us free in Jesus, we can only choose the bad. It's just always the choice between the lesser of two evils. We only become free to choose the good when God sets us free. And if you know that to be true, somebody say amen this morning. Friends, we cannot do this for ourselves. We can't. The first thing to realize is that you get, as all of us do, we all get enslaved to sin. That we need God's help. And that we cannot set ourselves free. This is something that God must do for us. And it always comes as an unmerited gift of grace. And once we understand this, we can understand the true meaning of freedom in the Christian tradition. And this is what it is. Freedom is a gift of God that empowers us not to sin. A gift that for the very first time in our lives, gives us a real choice about what we're going to do. The second thing that we learn from the Bible is that there is a paradox in the center of Christianity regarding freedom. That we are most free when we are most bound. I'll say that again. We are most free when we are most bound that we are most free when we bind ourselves to Christ. The supreme example of this is Christ Himself who freely divested His divinity so that He could make the ultimate sacrifice for our sake and for our freedom. And as we imitate Jesus, we learn that true freedom only comes as we serve Christ and serve others in Christ's name. Freedom is not real. It does not set us free unless it is used in service to God's mission in the world. As we have already seen, when it is used for contrary purposes, it is just converted into another kind of slavery. And this means that freedom always comes with responsibility. In other words, freedom is not free (laughs) and we see this not only in the bible but also when we reflect on the political and personal freedoms that we celebrate on independence day for our freedom to work we must be good citizens we must do things like vote pay taxes obey the law respect the rights of others and treat everyone with dignity and respect even people that we vehemently disagree with. In a similar way, the freedom that we enjoy as Christians demands at least two things of us. Number one, faithfulness. Number two, love. Despite the long list of virtues and vices outlined in our Scripture reading this morning, Paul summarizes the purpose of freedom in our relationships with others. And he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you remember, Jesus also said this. This is part of the greatest fulfillment. That it's the greatest commandment that fulfills the whole law. And as such, it functions to limit and guide our personal freedom. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. When Thomas Jefferson listed the pursuit of happiness as one of humanity's inalienable rights, he was casting a vision and setting a worthy goal of our pursuit. And Jesus did something similar in the Gospels. His teaching on freedom through service showed that the only way to achieve happiness is to love and serve others. This is so important. And he cast this vision of the good life because he knew as other really important thinkers like Aristotle, that we don't become happy by selfishly pursuing happiness. I would recommend a great book by Desmond Tutu in the Dalai Lama called The Book of Joy. And that whole book says, If you're trying to be happy and your strategy is to constantly ask yourself the question, what makes me happy? You will never be happy. (laughs) It's part of the paradox of how happiness works. You never become happy by saying, I'm going to do what makes me happy and then I'll be happy. It doesn't work that way, right? If you focus on yourself, on your own wants, on your own ease and convenience, on your own personal pleasure, then you will become a prisoner of yourself and you will be miserable. Most religious and philosophical traditions teach that this never, ever, ever leads to happiness. And we should be teaching our kids this from a very early age, because the undercurrent of our culture is the exact opposite message. If you can make enough money to do whatever you want and feel good, you'll be okay. And it's a lie. It's the slave master trying to put us back in chains. When we take this approach, it's like looking for the fixed end point of a rainbow. As soon as you think that you've reached its touchdown point, your perspective changes and the rainbow's end moves again no jesus says there is only one path to true happiness and that is self-sacrificial love and this manifests itself in real ways in service to others this is captured in the simplest way by a song that i used to sing in sunday school maybe you learned it too J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. If you doubt that the only way to happiness is to use your personal freedom to love and serve others, then I just want to encourage you at the end here to do a little thought experiment. And perhaps you can do this while you're taking communion. Do you feel better about yourself after a restful afternoon as a couch potato watching football games? Or after an exhausting afternoon coaching a little league game? Do you feel better about yourself after whipping up one of your favorite desserts in the kitchen? Or after delivering it to a sick friend who's been in bed for days? Do you feel better about yourself after a special night on the town or after an evening of serving in the church food pantry? I'd like to end this morning with a story. A nine-year-old girl observed a friend at school shivering on the playground during an especially cold snap, realizing that her friend didn't have any money to spend on a warmer coat. This little girl promptly promised to buy a coat for her. But when the little girl showed up with her parents at the Goodwill outlet to make her purchase, she was surprised that the cost was more than she anticipated. Nevertheless, she was determined to keep her word to her friend. Even though the coat ended up costing every single coin that she had saved in her piggy bank, she was committed to doing it. And this splurge caught her parents by surprise and caused them some concern. But when they questioned the wisdom of their daughter's actions, she defended herself by simply saying, but I promised her and she needs it. Her parents were silenced and impressed by their daughter's free spirit with her money, which had been Driven by her bonded, self-sacrificial love for her friend, for her neighbor. Let it be so with us. Amen.